Welcome back to the Children Hamilton podcast. We're here yet again. Today we're with David Bartholomew, one of the attorneys in our firm, and we're going to be talking about some criminal defense stuff today, uh, which is a new addition to the podcast. Um, and David came onto the firm about how long ago? About five months ago. About five months ago. Um, has a, a good history of doing criminal defense work prior to coming to the firm. And so today I think we're going to talk about driving under the influence um, and some things that maybe general people need to know going into that kind of situation. Um, so, David, thank you for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, let's just kind of jump right in about DUI. I think most people's kind of question that they might would have um, if they've ever been in that situation. Uh, hopefully most people haven't. But uh, if they have, they're probably running through their mind, what do I do? You know, what do they do when they've been pulled over by a cop um, with suspicion of DUI? Well, <clears throat> one of the first things you should do is limit your communication. Uh, answer the officer truthfully uh, with, you know, the demographic questions that he may have, uh, but try to keep your, your comments to a minimum. Um, and then if he does establish probable cause, that if he smells alcohol or, or um, asks you to step out of the car, step out of the vehicle. Uh, he's going to ask you to do field sobriety test. Uh, there's a set of field sobriety tests that they do. It's the horizontal gaze nystagmus test. That's an, an eye test. They're looking for dilation. And uh, the other test is a walk and turn. They ask you to do about 10 steps and um, turn around and walk another 10 steps. And then there's also the one leg stand. Um, it is. They will not tell you this, but it is within your right to say no. You okay. do not have to do those field sobriety tests. Okay. Well, let's kind of like back up there a little yeah. bit. So as far as like answering questions obviously you don't want to be evasive uh, but kind of let's just start with answering questions like what's some questions that they should answer that someone should answer and what's some that maybe they should reserve their right to maybe not answer or you know not give any information that may be used against them well you definitely don't need to tell them that you're coming from a bar okay okay if they ask you if you come you know coming from a restaurant or, or anything like that you don't have to answer that okay you can you can literally say i prefer not to answer that okay um but as far as you know, license and registration, obviously give that to, to the officer. Um, you know, if he asks you, do you still live at this address? That's on your license. Yes. I mean, you know, be truthful with the officer. But like I said, limit your, your communication with them. Okay. So if they've asked you, you know, Mr. Bartholomew, have you been drinking? Definitely say no. Okay. Okay. Or, uh, or, or say, I prefer not to answer. Yeah. Uh, I've done a little bit of this prior. And so I, I do remember, you know, many, many cases where someone's already basically uh, close the book on their file uh, by saying the standard, oh, I had a few or I had a couple. Yeah, at it, dinner it, or, it, yeah. It's, all, it's always two drinks. Always two. It's always that's two. a magical number uh, that's going to keep you out of jail. Okay, so, you know, as far as answering the questions, that kind of answered that. Um, well, actually, let me ask you this. Well, what about Miranda? You know, is someone under arrest at this point or, or should they have Miranda rights? Well, I, I get this. I get this call a lot. Okay. Um, so many of my clients, not just with DUI, but so many of my clients ask, uh, well, they didn't read, read Miranda to me. All right. It's a little bit different with the DUI. DUI, the statute says that it has to be read at the, uh, at the incident site location. All right. So at that traffic stop, if you're under arrest, Miranda has to be heard and read to you. Okay. Uh, but in a typical situation, Miranda only comes into play during custodial interrogation. Now, that doesn't mean physically in handcuffs and, and carted off into an interrogation room. Uh, that's typically what most people, that's typically where it comes into play. Mm-hmm. Um but custodial interrogation can can literally be on the side of the road, pulled out, pulled out of your vehicle. They have your license, and they start asking you a series of questions. 
um, that's when Miranda really comes into play. Okay. All right. So whether or not they've been given those rights or not, they still have the right. Right. They still have the right. themselves and, and not give more evidence that's going to be used. Right. Again. And, and essentially if Miranda is not read to you, but you are questioned, it becomes a subject of suppression mm-hmm. of getting those statements suppressed. Now in a DUI, if Miranda is not heard on the, on the actual video, body cam, dash cam, if it's not heard, then there is a motion to be made that could lead to a dismissal of the case. Okay. All right. And I know we're going to talk about those later. I think, I think we're going to get into an entire podcast later on about um, the defenses to DUI specifically and things like that. Um, But okay. So that answers the kind of the question about being questioned by the officer. Um, Let's kind of unpack those field sobriety tests. So um, kind of, if you know, you know, just kind of tell us, you know, what, what are those kind of designed to show and you know, what can someone do? Do they have to do them? Or, or what's their options if they've been asked to do those? So you can legally refuse to do the field sobriety test. Okay. Um, as I mentioned before, there's three of them that they do. It's a standard battery. Uh, it's a horizontal gaze nystagmus test. Okay. Um, and that's when you'll see them taking a pen and tracking the movement of your eye to the left and right. Okay. Uh, and they're looking essentially for it to, to shake and for the di- pupil dilation. Okay. Um, it, I typically don't get to watch you know, they're not zoomed in on the per- person's eye in the video that, that I receive, but it has to be seen in the video. Okay. Uh, the next test they typically move, that's usually the first test they do is a horizontal gaze nystagmus test. Uh, they typically uh, switch over to the walk and turn. And what people don't realize, these tests are not necessarily designed for you to walk a straight line and back. It, it's, um, it's designed to test your ability to listen to instructions. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yes, walking in a straight line is part of it, but they want you to walk uh, 10 steps and then take, they uh, have to do an, um, show you an example of how to do it. And it's small turns that they want. They're watching your feet as you turn and they want you to count it out and do another 10 steps back to them. Uh, so that's, that's the walk and turn test. So they're, they're looking for um, how well you handle the instructions. Because most of the time when I'm watching these videos, if somebody is, is truly intoxicated, mm-hmm. they're not counting out loud. They, they might count, might walk to 20 steps, um, take big, big turns around rather than, you know, the tiny, small little movements to, to go back. And sometimes they don't even walk that straight line. Yeah. So that, that does happen. All yeah. right. Um, and then the next test is the, the one leg stand. That's where they have, obviously your, Lift one foot up. Uh, you have to keep it about six inches off the ground is what they tell you, and, and typically they do it for about 30 seconds. Okay. Um, and now some of these are kind of – I'm not going to say they're designed to make you fail, uh, but I actually was reading something the other day. It just kind of made me – it was very curious to me that um, humans cannot walk in a straight line without a frame of reference, and that like a, a blind person in a large enough space would physically walk in a circle. Um, and so it kind of makes me think the same thing is even if you're on a blacktop – with no lines, because they usually are not going to put you on a line. Sometimes you might get a nice enough officer to do that. Uh, but it's actually pretty physically difficult. Um, and so why should someone refuse that? Because I think a lot of people probably sit here and think, oh, well, if I feel sober or sober-ish, um, I can probably beat these, which I know no one probably even understands how they could even beat an, a horog- or a HGN test. Uh, but as far as the walk and turn and the and the one leg stand, I think most people think, oh, I can do that. And why should I not at least give myself a chance of not being arrested? Well, 
<clears throat> like you said, these, these tests are designed by law enforcement. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not designed by the, by the population in general. Yeah. So they're, they're trying to generate evidence to help them in prosecuting their case, not, not to let you off the hook. This is, I don't think I've ever seen a case out of the, I don't know, hundred or so DUIs that I've done. I don't think I've ever seen a case where somebody got let go because yeah. of the, obviously I wouldn't have been involved if they'd been let go, but sure. even talking to the officers, they typically do not let people go. If you've been pulled over in suspicion, yeah. you're probably going to go to yeah. jail that night, no matter Absolutely. what you do. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing with the questions and the field sobriety test. It's your right to refuse those or to, you know, like you said, answer as little as you have to. Um, because I think what people don't maybe understand is, you know, some of the evidence when you're building it, when they're building a DUI case is they have video evidence, they have audio evidence, and then they have their recollection and their testimony. Um, and your speech patterns, your, the breath, your breath physically, um, and then everything that's called on video and audio, all of that, even if you're answering, yes, I live there, you know, or, or anything like that, any of that can go sh- to show how intoxicated you were. I've seen officers go, his, his eyes were glassy. Do you know how many reasons your eyes could be glassy beyond just the consumption of alcohol or, or, or other intoxicants? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's all, you can have allergies that day. You know, I mean, just legitimately. But, you know, going back to the questions as well, um, you know, you do have, you mentioned your, your rights. You do have a constitutional right. You have a Fifth Amendment right to remain silent. And the tricky part that most people don't realize, you actually have to invoke that right. So you have to tell the officer, I'm invoking my Fifth Amendment right to remain silent or something along those lines. Okay, it doesn't have to be, there's a, not a magical incantation uh, that you have to say it, but it has to be said. Yeah, or you could say, I'm under arrest, you know, may I yeah. go home, yeah, you, you know, yeah. I'm free to go, things like that. Because, <clears throat> excuse me, and you mentioned, you know, as far as a custodial interrogation, that's kind of the key. Yeah. But if you say, can I leave, and they say no, that triggers it. That yep. triggers it. So, yep. um, okay, I think we've talked a little bit about that, so. And I don't want to get too much into the murkiness of whether or not you're at a, uh, you know, a, a license check or whether you've been pulled over, but these kind of all generally apply in the same situation. So let's assume you, well, actually, let me just ask you this. What's going to happen when you refuse to do the field sobriety test? So if you refuse to do the field sobriety test, they're going to pretty much automatically put you in handcuffs. Okay. All right. So it's going to be a long night for you, um, but it's going to help you out on the back end. Okay. It's going to help your attorney out. Um, well, it's going to help me out. So, um, the less evidence you give them, the better your case is going to be. Which we've kind of gone back to. Yeah. There's a, there's a very high chance you were going to go to jail anyway. Right. Correct. Okay. So now you've been arrested. You're in the back of the cop car. They've taken you to a police station or wherever they've taken, uh, I mean, police station or, or department. And the next step, um, people might not know how detailed the next step is, which has to do with the breathalyzer. So kind of go into what South Carolina uses for the breathalyzer and our process and then people's rights during that time too. Okay. So we use the data master machine here in South Carolina. Uh, it, it's an infrared spectrometer. It analyzes your breath um, just in a normal breath sample. It, it can detect alcohol present in the breath. Okay. Um, now when you're, they're either going to take you to a detention center or to their police department, um, and each machine is registered with the state. Okay. Uh, there's some information that, as attorneys, that we can have access to in order to verify that they were properly calibrated. Mm-hmm. Um, but at, they're going to read you an implied consent right, which implied consent is a completely separate statute from the DUI. Okay. All right. So we'll, we'll get into that, I guess, in a little bit. Yeah. Um, 
But when you're there, they're going to read you um, the implied consent rights. They're going to tell you that you have the right to refuse. Okay. But if you refuse, you're going to be, your license is going to be suspended for six months. Okay. All right. Um, and, but if you provide a breast sample that's over 0.15, your license is still going to be suspended. Uh, typically it's for 30 days. Okay. And, and in talking about this, um, I am assuming that most of these are DUI first. So there are yeah, different, the yeah, I'm assuming that these are DUI first. Um, and if you, if you provide a breast sample and it's under 0.15, um, then you're not going to be suspended necessarily, but you're providing evidence to the police okay. and it's definitely not hurt your case. Okay. So what is that? So they're going to present you a form and it's going to give you, show you your rights in writing. Correct. You know, of what you have the right to do. All of the, what you just said is going to generally be on that form. Correct. Um, and then say someone checks the box, yes or no. Then what happens? I mean, for, there's a for, waiting for refusal. Yeah. Okay. So if they, they do a refusal. So I know there's a waiting period in there. Kind of explain that to people. Okay. Yeah. So the machine, the data master machine does a, there's a 20 minute wait period. Uh, part of that is to make sure that any alcohol in your system kind of has, that's in your mouth. The mouth alcohol has a chance to dissipate. They want to make sure that they're getting the blood alcohol. Uh, rather, they want to make sure there's an, a more accurate uh, test result because mm-hmm. um, you can challenge it. So if, if the person is on video chugging, a, a pint of vodka right there before he gets arrested, there, there needs to be a waiting period. Yeah. Um, so that's part of it, but it also does an internal check. Okay. So that data master uh, machine, when it does in the 20 minute period, when it does the calibration, it has to check. It has to be the internal parameters have to be um, typically with 0.78 to I think 0.82. So it has a small range, but it does have a little bit of a range where it has to fall, um, fall between mm-hmm. And if it doesn't, then then we can start challenging the accuracy of the machine if they try to present those as accurate results. Okay. Um, but that all comes down to the individual machine and looking at the the calibration of it. Okay. And so, again, this is probably one of those situations. Someone's not going to better their case. No. Um, no. And I did want to kind of point out here, then you can expound on it, obviously, for everybody. You're the interviewee here. But um, <laughs> is that say you go through and you decide, again, I had one beer at dinner. I think I'm okay. I'm going to do the data master. I think I'm going to be under, everybody knows 0.08. 0.08 is kind of like the, the nationwide standard of legal limit of alcohol, blood alcohol content. But in South Carolina, that doesn't really matter, right? Right. So kind correct. of go, go explain that real quick, like how our actual DUI statute is written and the fact that, again, you may not be helping yourself thinking, oh, I may blow a 0.02 or 0.03. Right. So our DUI statute, it's not just about alcohol. Okay. Um, it's a combination of either alcohol and or drugs. Okay. Okay. Um, but also it, it comes down to materially, materially and appreciably impaired. So it was your ability to drive. Were you swerving all over the road? Were you speeding? Was, did that intoxicant, whatever it was, alcohol or otherwise, did it impair your ability to drive? So that, that's really where that comes into place. Once again, the, the data master is just gathering more evidence. So mm-hmm. I've, I've actually had this before in the past where the client blew a 0.05. Okay. So, and he, he kept thinking, you know, it's under a 0.08, under a 0.08, uh, but he had wrecked his car. So the officers had already checked that box for them that his ability to drive was impaired. Uh, even though he blew a 0.05, there's a presumption 
of alcohol concentration high enough to cause impairment. Uh, that can be contributed to uh, it dis- the naturally dissipating in your body because there's a they have a two-hour window to get you to the data master m- machine once they arrest you. Mm-hmm. So once you're there, obviously your body still, it doesn't stop metabolizing in that, in that window. So your body's still metabolizing the alcohol. Uh, so there's a presumption if there's a 0.05 that there was at the time of the arrest, you were at that 0.08. Okay. And so that just helps their case. They can argue that. So, you know, in this hypothetical, you know, idea we've talked about, you have the, the, the person who was pulled over, maybe, maybe they did refuse their field sobriety tests, but they said, like we like said, a lot of people do that. I had a beer at lunch. I had a beer at dinner. I had a beer earlier this morning. They could even say that they could think, you know, it's been six or seven hours. I'm fine. The problem is they've admitted to be drinking Correct. prior to being operating that vehicle. And now they've gone and they've blown some amount of alcohol in their blood alcohol. So you still have established enough that they were probably going to still pursue the charge against you again for DUI. Um, and so again, you're not really going to help yourself. No. Um, now, as you said, there are consequences to refusing. So I know you mentioned that it's a completely separate statute. It's also part of a completely separate court. So kind of go into what happens when you, you know, refuse the breathalyzer, you know, as far as losing your license and how you can go about fighting that as well. Okay. So if you refuse, which I, I truly believe you should, uh, if you refuse a data master, uh, your license, they'll, they'll give you a notice of suspension form there at the data master machine. Hold on to that. Okay. I can't tell you how many times I have a client come to me that just doesn't have that form. Uh, the reason you need to hold on to it is on the back side of that form, there are instructions uh, on where to send the form with a $200 money order. Okay, so that $200 money order and that form, you mail it off to Columbia. Uh, it goes to the South Carolina Office of Motor Vehicle Hearings, and they, they schedule a hearing. Now, the important thing is you have 30 days, 30 days from the date of the arrest or the notice of suspension. Mm-hmm. You have 30 days to get that in. Okay. If you don't get it in, they have there's an assumption that you have waived your right to that hearing. Now, the hearing is, is the, it's the due process portion of the, the license suspension. All right. So once you make that request, though, and you get your paperwork back, you can go down to the DMV. This is the benefit of it. Go down to the DMV, spend another $100, but you can get a temporary alcohol license. Mm-hmm. That temporary license will adri- allow you to drive without suspension or without restrictions during that suspension period. Mm-hmm. It does put a pause on your suspension. Uh, so let's say at the hearing, once they schedule it, uh, they, they uphold your suspension, they'll revoke that temporary alcohol license, and your, your suspension will start back. Let's say it had been the 30 days. It'll start back. You'll have five months left on it. Okay. All right. Okay. And- you know, let's go through a little bit though. Okay. Just to make sure this is clear. Yeah. I, I, yeah. That, that portion okay. can be a little confusing. So, so let's go through this again. <clears throat> you refuse your breathalyzer test. You have 30 days to request a hearing. <clears throat> During that time, you can get a temporary alcohol license. Correct. Which is an unrestricted license. Right. <clears throat> okay. Once you go to that hearing, let's say you lose that hearing. Okay. Then you're going to have a restricted license. Is that what's going to happen, or well, is it going to be completely gone? Well, they'll they'll revoke that temporary alcohol license. It's up to you to go back to the DMV. Guess what? Spend another hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you do that, you can get a route restricted license. Okay. Uh, they don't issue them all the time, um, but you know if you're a student or you do work, uh, you can quite literally write down the route that you take. Mm-hmm. 
uh, the DMV will issue that route restriction. Now, the issue is if you're found off that route, they can't arrest you. Okay. So your route from home to work or school right. or wherever right. you need to go. Right. You know. Um, okay. Now, let's talk about a little about that hearing. Are those hearings winnable? Can you get your license back? Yes. Okay. They, they actually are winnable. Okay. Um, and typically, on a refusal, the argument is harder. Um, you know, if all parties are there, if the DMV is there, if the officer is there, um, you're, you're having your hearing in front of a hearing officer. Um, they're, they're hard to win. All right. So typically what you're doing is more of a stall tactic in order to have your license during this time period. Um, but there are there are opportunities. For instance, my mo- most recent one, uh, the officer failed to, pro- to provide affirmative assistance in obtaining a blood test. And I, we haven't gone into that yet, but the, the officers have a duty uh, to provide affirmative assistance. Now, that doesn't mean they have to you know, take you directly to a doctor of your choice, but they have to provide you access to a telephone or at least reasonable accommodations to get that test. Okay. Now, you have to pay for that test. But, for instance, uh, the last time that I was there, I argued that um, the officer failed to provide that affirmative assistance, and therefore that refusal should not be held against my client. Okay. And we're still waiting on a decision. So I don't know if I won, but uh, I'm, I'm thinking I did. Okay. Now, what happens if the officer doesn't show up? Uh, then that's a pretty much automatic dismissal of the of the suspension. Okay. And then once you get your paperwork back, you can take it to the DMV and get your license fully reinstated. Okay. So it's definitely worthwhile to, if, you, if you've gone through this, you know, heaven forbid, you know, that you are timely in either doing it yourself and requesting the administrative hearing or going and seeking an attorney. Correct. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we've kind of gone through now, and that's going to get people to the point now that, you know, they are making the decision, should I hire an attorney for this? Right. So kind of why don't you go through a little bit of how their decisions during the arrest um, can help them and why there's even tiny little nuances uh, that could affect why they need to have an attorney. Okay. So one of the biggest things that I wish people knew was – the ins and outs of the DUI law and the case law. Okay. Everybody can go read the statute, but actually knowing that case law is why you need an attorney. Okay. Our state has interpreted our DUI law and has put so many nuances onto it and, and requirements that the state has to do. So uh, a lot of, a lot of our DUI defenses come from the video footage itself. Okay. Um, there's, requ- you know, mandatory requirements that the state has to has to produce or certain things the state has to do during that traffic stop. And if they don't do it, it can lead to a dismissal. But they're not just going to give it to you. You have to fight for it. So you have to file the motion. You have to, well, you have to review the discovery. You have to know what you're looking for. Because if you don't know what you're looking for, you're watching a video of typically somebody out there that's, that's not doing a good job keeping that straight line. Yeah, so, I understand that. So, um, yeah, that, I mean – those nuances there in the video are very important, and that's really what you need an attorney for is to fight for those those little nuances, those technicalities that can lead to a dismissal or at least leverage enough to get the state to budge off of the DUI charge. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, I think the purpose of this today was obviously none of us want anyone drinking and driving. Um, Correct. You know, do not do it. But at the same time, I feel like this is one of the few times that I feel like the general public – may come into an interaction with a police officer in a criminal setting, you know, as a suspected criminal, you know, or, you know, alleged. Correct. Yeah. Um, And I think that it's just critical that, you know, just like anything else we do, we want to preserve people's rights. 
And so that's why we're here today is to talk about the fact that, you know, not everyone knows their rights. Um, You know, you are basically the entire source of their evidence. You know, unless I'm sure some police officers may turn on their recording devices prior to blue lighting you and try to get someone who's swerving. That's I understand that. Um, But the big thing here, I think, is the fact that people can take home is, you know, do not give them the evidence to convict you. Um, Know your rights, you know, and and, and follow what we've kind of talked about today. And so I think that's kind of briefly, unless there's anything else you need to add or what not. I I will say this. Mm -hmm. It goes a long way being polite to those officers. All right. Even if you happen to to be leaving a holiday party because they're they're coming up, Mm -hmm. if you happen to be leaving a holiday party and you are, in fact, intoxicated, be polite to those officers. It goes such a long way. I, I've had cases before where we didn't have a defense, but because of the attitude of the the client, the officers worked with me, mm-hmm. and we, we were able to get a good deal yeah. just just by the, the person's conduct at the incident site. So it goes a long way. I think a lot of officers understand people make mistakes. Again, yeah, they, yeah, they do. Please do not make that mistake. Uh, as David <laughs> said, the holidays are coming up. Everyone's going to be having parties and get-togethers with family and friends. And, you know, do not make that mistake. I think, you know, even even here in Rock Hill and even smaller towns all over the state, there's Uber and Lyft and, and ride shares. And so, you know, do not do that. But if you do um, and you find yourself in this situation, you know, just try to follow what we've talked about and, and protect your rights just to make sure that you're not victim to something that you have basically laid out yourself. Yeah. Um, and, you know, stay safe. Everyone stay safe this holiday. Um, David, thank you for coming oh, yeah, in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we're going to talk a little bit more uh, for a, a future podcast about the defenses to DUI. And then um, I know that you also are handling some family law clients for our uh, firm. So we're going to definitely try to get you in here more. This won't be your only time coming. Uh, so thank you again for coming in. And thanks, everyone, for watching and listening. Again, I cannot stress enough. Please do not drink and drive. Be safe this winter and this holiday. And thank you for watching the Schiller and Hamilton podcast. Thanks.